the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Welcome to Dreams Not Memes Podcast. Hello everyone, it's another episode of Dreams Not Memes. Today we are here in the Yukon Territory with my friend Paris, and we are going to talk to Paris about her journey. How's it going? Hello, how are you? <laughs> doing well, doing well. So you're a musician. How did you get involved in music? Um, so for me, music started in high school. Um, my first boyfriend was a drummer. Now, when I say he was a drummer, he was a drummer on rock band. Like, didn't even play real drums yet. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, I remember my introduction to music Like, you know, I listened to music with my parents, but as far as, like, wanting to play music, it was through playing video games like Rock Band with my first boyfriend and my high school friends, like, grade eight. (laughs) And uh, I remember he went from Rock Band drums to getting a real drum kit on his birthday, and I remember at one point there was, like, his first jam ever, like, he invited some friends over from our grade to have a jam with his new drum kit, and he knew some other people that had real instruments And I remember going to that jam and someone put a bass in my hands and I, you know, messed around on the bass and was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I was still very shy in grade eight. So like singing, forget it, uh, which is funny because my first boyfriend was part Filipino. So I was always going to these karaoke parties with his family and I was like too shy to sing. I was like, I'm never going to sing. Like, yeah, (laughs) but it happened with time. (laughs) And can you tell us about, like, how you broke out of your shell? Yeah, um, I would say, so fast forward a few years between grade 8 and grade 11. Uh, Grade 11, I moved to Nanaimo, uh, Vancouver Island in BC, where I once again uh, had a girlfriend of mine say, hey, come to my spare block. Uh, You know, you're doing nothing. Like, come check it out. And I go to her spare block, and she was in band class. Now, Port Hardy, where I'm from originally, uh, which is on Vancouver Island, um, was too small of a town. It didn't have band class as an option in high school. They just had like a guitar class. So being in the city all of a sudden and going to this band class, I remember this teacher, he had like a fedora and he smelt like liquor. And it was kind of like he came up to me and he's like, you look like a bassist. And I was like, wow, that's so weird you say that because I've played bass before, like forever ago and he's like yeah like pick up the bass so then I played bass in band class and all of a sudden uh you know I I got registered kind of late in the year to be part of band class and I got into playing bass and uh it was awesome so it was kind of like yeah that was like a big inspiring moment for me uh was having a teacher you know like somehow know that that was an instrument for me and then yeah it was just really funny (laughs) that's amazing and I mean like I could definitely hear the whole, you look like a bassist, because like (laughs) sometimes instruments have personas and the way you carry yourself like encapsulates that instrument in some ways. That's not always true, but sometimes true. Totally. (laughs) I I definitely hear that. So what brings the Yukon? Like, how'd you get into the Yukon territory? Um, So when I graduated high school in 2012, Um, at that point I had been dabbling with more music. I, uh, had another, a new boyfriend buy me my first other four string instrument, which was a ukulele. Um, 
I started playing ukulele and I decided I was going to go on like a wolfing adventure across Canada. So I traveled from Port Hardy to Halifax and I hitchhiked the whole way. And I had like no money other than the money I made from busking. So that got me really good at like learning how to project my voice. You know, like it was all about like, oh, how can I make more money today? Well, I need to sing louder than the guy three blocks down from me. So like, you know, it was things like that. So I hitchhiked across Canada. It was awesome. Spent like, you know, four or five months traveling and having a time in my life. And then I ended up back in Port Hardy and I met this French girl who was traveling. And she's like, oh, yeah, I hitchhiked too. And, uh, you know, do you want to maybe team up for an adventure? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, and she's like, okay, well, let's flip a coin. And depending on what it says, we're going to go up or down from here. And I was like, up or down? And from Port Hardy, she was referring to either going to the Okanagan or going up towards the north. So we landed on the Yukon and I was like, all right, I guess we're going to the Yukon. So we like hitchhiked here together. And that's how I ended up here when I was 18 years old. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And, (laughs) you know, you don't typically hear too much about people traveling to the scope that you have. I can (laughs) say of all the Canadians I've interviewed, 100% of them seem to be much more well-traveled than the Americans that I, like the United States Americans that I've interviewed. And I'm specifying that because Canadians are also American, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's because we have less fear here, right? Like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm leading to. Like what, what is it about Canada? What is it about you that like makes you do that? Yeah. And I remember, you know, my mom had a literal heart attack the whole time I was gone. Like she was like, you're 18, something could happen. Like for that trip I did when I just went to Halifax, like that's going across Canada alone as an 18 year old girl. And I even hitchhiked on the highway of tears, which is like Prince George. And I had no idea what the highway of tears was, even though I was hitchhiking it, which is like where a bunch of lost and indigenous women have been, you know, gone missing. Like people have died on that route hitchhiking. Uh, And there I was hitchhiking without even knowing what it was. And it was kind of just like crazy. Like it was actually crazy. And for the most part, everyone I met was really nice and supportive. They gave me free food, money. They offered like, you know, services. Uh, But there was also a handful of like not so great people. But I was lucky enough to, you know, avoid those situations or like deal with them. (laughs) True, 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 true. Let's learn more about your situations and and how this has molded you as an artist on the next half of our podcast. Quick message. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Dreams.Memes. Please make sure to follow Dreams.Memes podcast on your preferred streaming channel or on Instagram at Dreams.Memes podcast. To support Dreams.Memes podcast, feel free to contact me at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for advertising or sponsorship opportunities. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, now we're back. So can you tell me a little bit more about how your traveling brought the birth of your art and your music that you do today? Um, yeah, uh, well, as I kind of already said already, like the, you know, the busking culture kind of really helped shape me as far as like my confidence goes. Cause I was like, 
you know, like you'd see buskers on the street that were kind of like average Joes and kind of like singing under their breath and like not really trying. And I was like, I want to like put on a show. So I started this whole thing where I'd like dress like a pirate and I would like had this crazy pirate regalia that I'd put on and then I'd go busk as like a ukulele pirate. And I would make like $300 in an hour, like no problem. Sometimes like 600 like, it was crazy, especially if there was, like, lots of tourism in the summer, like, getting, like, American dollars. And so, I don't know, after a few years of that, I finally, when I came to Whitehorse, there was, like, a whole open mic scene here. And uh, I started doing the pirate thing, you know, going to all the open mics and starting to develop, like, my new stage skills. Um, I was still pretty bad at singing and still only played the ukulele, so I was kind of, like, held back in that regard but then with time i i definitely like got more confident and true, uh true. while that was all happening i was playing some side guy gigs on bass which is like where i feel most comfortable so you know being a side guy is different than like being a front woman <laughs> so mm. it took some time so the term side guy that's definitely something new that i've never heard is that just like a backup is that is that what that means to be a side guy uh a side guy, uh, as far as I know, is like you're like a, a hired, you're a musician for hire. So like if oh, yeah, someone yeah, needs sure. a basis, yeah, you're the side guy. Like, a, a, you know, a rhythm guitar player might be a side guy if it's like, mm. you know, you're just there for hire. Gotcha. I hear that. I hear that. And like, <laughs> why the pirate? That's a very unique and original <laughs> idea. I, I, I love it personally. But like, why the pirate? Pirate um, ukulele. So when I hitchhiked, to uh, at one point I found myself in Kitchener, Ontario and I had very little money. It was actually one of my worst travel days. I missed a train. I missed a bus. It was all going to, you know, it wasn't going well. And I ended up in this weird costume store where they had like just crazy stuff. And even though I had like no money, I had enough to maybe like treat myself to something nice. And they kind of had like this weird looking dress that was kind of like I couldn't like, it looks like a pirate dress. And I was like, you know what? Like, even though I'm broke, I'm going to buy this dress and start wearing it because it's like bright red. It has big frilly, like it just looks awesome. And I was like, I need this dress. So I bought the dress and made it part of my like work outfit. And it didn't necessarily scream pirate. I was like, if I paired this dress with a black pirate hat, I will look like a pirate. So it was kind of like that moment on, I was like, this will help attract more people to me on the street. And it totally did, because I also did some reading that said, like, the color red, like, people really, oh, yeah. like, hone in on the color red. And when I hitchhiked across Canada, I had a little red hat, so that on the side of the road, people would spot me right away. <laughs> true, true. And I, and I see that, like, in your social media, that red is still part of, like, I've noticed it in your album art, I noticed it on your Instagram, the whole nine, so. And yeah. You're even wearing a red button right now. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I definitely hear that. So. Can you talk about some of the projects you're working on now? Like, are you working on any albums? Are you writing any songs? Things like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm currently working on my second full-length album. It's called Hope for the Best. I started recording it last winter. And, um, yeah, I know it's going to be really great. I'm hoping to release it in June. Uh, you know, it got postponed. It was supposed to get released last year in October. And then, you know, COVID happened. So it all kind of got pushed back. But um, yeah, so that's hope I'm going to be releasing that. And uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any touring or traveling uh, ambitions like post-COVID? Yeah, um, I'm supposed to be showcasing for my first time uh, for this 
festival and conference called Focus Wales, which happens in Wales in the UK. Uh, and that will be taking place in October 2021. Uh, with any luck, you know, we'll all be vaccinated and I can get over there. Uh, right now, the Yukon is actually dishing out vaccines, which is pretty awesome. So hopefully uh, I can book one within the next four months and I'll be golden to get my band over there. But uh, I've actually never left Canada, even though I'm 26 years old. And I'm jonesing to travel again. Like, it's been so long. So what are some things that you aspire to do as a musician that you haven't been able to do yet? Um, like, hmm, aspire to do, I guess, like, travel more. Like, I'm just, I'm jonesing to see more, especially with just the way things are going in the world. Like, you know, I'm, I'm super happy in the Yukon. I love it here. Like I want to die in the Yukon, no problem. But I feel like I just want to go and have some more experiences. Cause like those experiences I had when I was 18 and traveling with just a backpack and I didn't own anything else other than my ukulele, like those helped shape me. And now that I'm a young woman, I feel like you need more of those experiences as an adult to like shape you or, you know, I, I do a lot of stuff in Whitehorse that like shape me on a regular basis, but I, there's something to be said about traveling and like some kind of spontaneous, spontaneous, spontaneousness. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like, as a creator, I, I mean, when I hear your music, there's a lot of influences happening. What are the things that shape your influences outside of travel? Um, personal experience is definitely like a big one. I think it is for most song singer songwriters. Like I noticed that for me, I write most when I'm like going through something or I'm, you know, having like an emotional moment or I'm learning something like it's kind of like when my life is stagnant, so is my songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm always trying to live a life that's kind of like keeping me, you know, active. And I know that I'm always just like learning something new or doing something new because that's how I keep my brain like functioning for writing true. and creating. True, true. And what's it like? you know, developing and, and writing in the Yukon. Like I spoke to another artist in Yukon and they said like, you know, it's just them in a log cabin, you know, cause it's like negative 40 degrees. There, there's nothing that really distracts you. So what is it like for you? Cause I'm assuming you're in a different area. Yeah, I'm uh, you know, for me, it's not that bad because my cabin is like 15 minutes outside of town. And, uh, you know, it's snowy. That's my place right now. I can show it to you, but the listeners can't see it. True. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's actually, I live 15 minutes out of town. I live in a cabin, but I'm not as isolated as, say, someone in Dawson City or something. Like, we're, I'm lucky here that I'm 15 minutes away from town. Um, but at the same time, like, the fact that I can look out my backyard and, like, see nature I can go for a walk in the woods. Like those are all very important things to me to have as like a singer songwriter. Cause it's just like, I'm from BC where nature is also a big part of like everyone's life there. And I, I couldn't imagine living in a city where like I was trapped by just nothing but cement and like true lots of people. Like it just wouldn't work. My brain would be overstimulated. I already feel that way when I go to cities like Vancouver, Toronto, or Montreal, I'm just like, how do people live here? This is crazy. Like, it's too much. <laughs> True. And yeah, like city living, because I, I live in, I believe, the fifth largest city in America. Um, 
it's a lot of noise. And I mean, I've never had the opportunity to, to write or create in a silent uh, environment, but I definitely can say playing in silent environments or quieter towns does feel more freeing. So I could only imagine creating in a more silent environment or a more organic environment where you're in a area where the air is fresh, you can actually smell your coffee and only the coffee feels a lot more stimulating. Yeah, and there's no one to tell me to turn down. Like I can <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> I, I can play drums if I want. Like it's like, you know, where it's very freeing where I know I have friends that live in other cities that, you know, they, they go to play their guitar on a Saturday afternoon on their day off and they already have neighbors banging on the floor making complaints and it's like wow, like you pay rent, like, don't you have the right to do the thing you love? Like, it's so brutal. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a very real thing. Like, I have guitar amps, and I don't get to use them as much because of that very, yeah. very reason. Or I remember times where like, I was first playing guitar. And like, people would be like, you suck. And I was like, but the volume's only on two. And I'm just learning like, it, it's, it's a lot. So yeah, I, I feel that. So your writing process, do you write all of your instruments or do you work with other people? Um, so for my band, Paris Pick and the Pricks, um, most people that play in my band are like, you know, very capable musicians. So most of the time I like to give them free reign and, you know, so I'll bring a new song to the table. But sometimes I record a demo at home on my, uh, just my little home studio and I sometimes write like a horn part or a harmony part or a bass line because, you know, bass is where I feel at home. Actually, it's funny because my boyfriend's a pretty good bass player, mm. but it's it's he says sometimes that like he what he likes about me writing a bass line is that it's always something that he like probably wouldn't do organically. So there's some moments like that. Uh, he plays bass in my band. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of like I write the song usually on guitar these days and then yeah i'll bring it to my band and see what happens but sometimes i have parts yeah yeah and what's it like practicing in the in the yukon like are is everyone far apart or everyone's close together um uh well everyone's i mean i'm 15 minutes out of town so if i need to have the band come here then they have to drive out but we have rehearsals in in my place all the time uh, you know, lots of us have basement suites or something that we can jam sure. in. So, uh, usually my keyboard player and backup singer, Selena, we usually practice at her house, which is downtown. Cause sure. it's like a little easier, but, uh, yeah, no, it seems we can get together pretty easy. True. 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 Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the community of Yukon. So like, and, and getting back to the idea of like being in a smaller area versus a larger area. Yeah. In some areas, whether it be small or large, music communities are like really, really important. How do you find a sense of community in, in your area? Uh, the community is really tight knit here. Um, there's a story that I always tell people when they're asking like a question like this, which is kind of like at one point when I first moved here, I had this like rainbow bike that I hand painted myself and it got stolen and literally like. 24 hours later, my bike was found by some random person that didn't know me, but they followed me on Facebook and she worked at Starbucks and she went outside of her workplace and like fought this person for my bike. 
and then messaged me saying, hey, I got your bike back for you. And I was like, what just happened? Some stranger just got my bike for me. And I was like, that's how small the white horse community is. That's so like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I can't say that would happen here. Like it's been, all, yeah. Like when I got robbed in Baltimore on tour, that that's it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so brutal. Yeah, no, yeah. and Whitehorse were really lucky. Like, I had another friend who he had his guitar stolen from a gig because he left his case outside in his car. And then a matter of time later, he totally got it back. Uh, you know, like, we have a very strong Facebook community here. So, like, there's pages for everything, like Helpers Network or like Lost and Found or whatever. And then people can comment and say, hey, like, I lost my cat. And, like, you will find your cat. Like, true, <laughs> it's true, crazy. True. And I, I, I definitely hear that. And, and lastly, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Hmm. Get my license sooner. <laughs> I, uh, that's probably the only thing. I didn't get my license when I was a teenager because living on Vancouver Island, everything was pretty small there. Mm -hmm. And uh, even Whitehorse is fairly easy to navigate. But I feel like there was some opportunities where if I could have driven, I could have like t gotten more opportunities sooner. And I also wish that I, um, you know, when I first got into music, I turned 19 in the bars. I was already playing in bars when I was 18 before I was even legal for drinking. And I kind of just wish that I didn't get like grabbed by kind of like the party culture that comes with bars right away. I feel like I'm a lot more professional now. Like I would never get drunk at a show where like between the ages of 18 and 20, that's all I did. Cause I didn't have the confidence to like do it otherwise where now it's like, I'm full of confidence and I've been empowered by my fellow femmes where I like as an 18 year old, I just didn't have that. And uh, yeah, I feel like if there was anything I could change, it'd probably be those two things. Like, having just more empowerment at a younger age, I suppose. True, true, true. Well, it's definitely been a pleasure talking to you about your well-traveled experience and your creative process and your environment. Is there anyone you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, shout out to you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, shout out to the Yukon for being awesome. It's definitely been my home away from home. It's not where I was born, but it's a dream being here. So shout out to the Yukon. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, this has definitely been a good episode of Dreams Not Memes. And uh, check out Paris Pick. Thank you. Hi, this is Brian from A Day Without Love. Thank you for listening to Dreams Not Memes. I just want you to remember, your dreams matter. If you'd like to support this podcast, email at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for donation information, or follow me for weekly episodes. Thank you for listening and joining my journey. Have a good day.